I just think people need to start and do it. And that's the biggest problem, I think, for for authors and for many of the people that I work with. I understand, you know, you're an author, you're used to writing, you're not used to speaking. It might not be the first thing that you want to do, but if you want people to know about your book, you need to get out there and you need to do it in the most authentic way for you. Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love, and together we're going to be doing just that. Each week I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lemereau and welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk about how authors can become media ready with a return guest, Paula Rizzo, who's an Emmy award-winning TV producer, best-selling author, media trainer, and strategist. Paula trains authors and experts to perform better on camera and produce their own videos. She's the author of Listful Thinking, Using Lists to Be More Productive, Highly Successful, and Less Stressed, and her most recent book, Listful Living, A List-Making Journey to a Less Stressed You. Paula is also a LinkedIn learning instructor, a frequent speaker, and media contributor. Paula is the creator of Media Ready Author, an online media training course for authors, and your LinkedIn courses on Delta Airlines too? Yes. So you have, yes, you have actually maybe seen Paula as you're flying somewhere on Delta. You can look for her. So um, I'm so excited to have you back on the show, Paula. I'm so happy to be here. I think I hold the world's record for, you know, most repeat, repeat guesting. So thank you. Yes, you do hold that honor. And I was thinking like we needed some sort of like pop of champagne or like some sound. So maybe Zach, my editor can like throw something in there. So it sounds celebratory, but yes, you're my fourth. Uh, This is the fourth time you've been on the show. And I was thinking about that. So we had done the very first show you were on was number 37. So you were one of my first guests in the first year. So I'm so... Those people always have a special place in my heart. And um, yeah, we discussed your book and living less stressed and, you know, productivity and overcoming procrastination, lots of good stuff. And I'll put all of those in the show notes, but Perfect. we both share a love of writers, of books, and actually of tea. Yes. And um, today we're talking about the books and writing. And for anyone out there who has thought about writing a book, who has written a book, being media ready and getting your book out in the world. It's one thing to finish the book, but it's a whole other thing to then promote it. Can let's, let's just start there. One of the things that many authors say to me is that they will do media when the book comes out. And I always say it's too late. 
you really need to be thinking about it before. Look, it's never too late. You should still be promoting your book and talking about it, but you should be thinking about this even before you have a finished product. And I know this because, you know, my years as a TV producer, I started a blog many, many years ago, listproducer.com, talking about list making and how to be more productive. And it was just a fun side project. But I knew if ever I wanted to do something with this, I needed to do some media to legitimize myself as an expert in this field. Yes. So I started to pitch myself. I started to do, you know, magazine interviews and, and other blogs and things like that. And I got to learn what worked and what didn't work. You know, I got to yes. see what did I like talking about? What got the hosts excited? Because sometimes what you think will work is not actually the thing that's most exciting, or yes. you're not explaining it the best possible way in the beginning. And that is such a great time, almost before you're ready to start talking about it, to start doing it, because it did inform a lot of what then became my book as well, because that then turned into my two books, Listful Thinking and Listful Living. And I was like, oh, you know what? People loved this topic. Every time I mentioned this, people were really excited. They didn't realize they didn't know that part. Nonfiction is a little different than fiction. But I find that you do really need to start working that muscle of doing media before you think you need to. Okay. I think this is actually a great place that we, we've just touched upon because I think about it. I get pitches maybe 20 to 30 a day in my inbox. Wow. Of my show. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, 99% of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. Only because we, I, I'm already booked out through the end of the year. And so to field all that and to have, you know, my, my person who helps me, like, it's a lot to manage. And so unless something like really catches the eye and is like spot on, it, it's a, it's thank you for your interest, but no. And the other part of that is we're recording in September. Your interview will come out in October. So I don't know when you think of media, do you consider podcasts as part of that strategy, Paula? I do. Yeah. Media yeah. has changed a lot through the yeah. years. Yeah. You know, it used to be when I was in TV, it was just TV, radio. That was really it. Magazines, right? Newspapers, yes. traditional, yes. traditional. And then podcasts came on the scene and they started to get more interesting and people started to, you know, pay better attention to it. And they're produced in a much better way than they used to be. Uh, yes. I think, you know, people really care about having a podcast and also to garner people, an audience who's interested in, yes. in what you're going to say. And, and frankly, people who talk about books on podcasts sell more books than on traditional media for the most part, because it's just set up differently. People who listen to podcasts have opted in to listen to that podcast. They probably like the host. They probably trust them in a different way. You know, if you're on the Today Show or GMA, it's awesome to be able to say that you did that. Yes. However, you probably won't sell books from doing that. Because if you think about it, the audience... Unless you're a celebrity, the audience is very busy doing other things. The morning show is on. They're getting their kid ready for, for school. They're getting ready for work. They're half listening. They're not going to, you know, Google right away. What was the name of the person? What was that book? Let me just do Oh, I'll do it later. And then life happens and they don't do it later. Podcasts yes. are different because you've opted into it. But, um, you know, you mentioned getting many, many pitches throughout the day. I mean, in TV, traditional media, um, TV, radio, magazines, they're getting thousands and thousands of emails a day. I know because I did that job for close to 20 years. And so it's very hard to break through. But when you do, you can become a repeat guest. And then when your book comes out, they're like, oh, of course, we'll have you back. We know you're very good on camera or whatever. You know, you're a good interview. We'd love to have you. Oh, my God. Okay. This is so good. So um, 
Well, you've touched upon why it's important for authors to get their books out there that, you know, nobody's just going to come find you. I mean, you know, of course you're so excited, but unless you're a huge name, right? Unless you're like Brene Brown, people aren't sort of anticipating the next book that's going to be published. Um, So let's talk about getting the attention of a producer um, Mm -hmm. or reaching out to somebody and hoping that it doesn't end up in, you know, the junk pile because- It just doesn't make it, you know, we always respond to everyone eventually, because I just think it's occurred, you know, it's just a kind thing to do to just say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but we don't accept outside pitches. We don't need them. That's not how this, my show's position. Some podcasters actually rely on others to just fill, you know what I mean? To just, they just take what, you know, whoever they can get, but that's not how we do the show. This is, this show is part of you, part of your brand, part of your business. Yeah. Traditional TV and media, uh, yes. you know, these are producers who work. This is their job every day to find great people to come on and talk about different topics. But this is not their show. You know, they're yeah, fine. It's different. That's interesting. A very different feel. Um, it has to be very much aligned with who the audience is, what the audience cares about. So even if the producer loves the idea, if they know it's not going to work for their audience, it's always going to be a no. So you need to know that ahead of time, like what are the types of shows that you should be pitching and and those types of things. But to be able to get a yes, you really need to be your own producer first. Show that you can do this. Have videos on your website. Send a video of you talking about your book or, you know, being interviewed somewhere else. It doesn't have to be traditional media. It could be, you know, really anything. But just to show that you can do this is a huge way to get in. Um, you know, and and I think also being on top of ideas. So if something happens in the news, don't wait for your pitch to go through, you know what I mean? To be, to say like, oh, I wish someone would interview me about this. Interview yourself, just talk about it. Just put your opinion out there and you'd be surprised how that will sort of get the ball rolling. Um, But, you know, like, like you said, people don't know, initially might not know you. You have to tell them that you're there. You have to just start having an opinion about these things and putting your work out in the world. Okay. Well then tell us how to, how do we craft that pitch that is compelling? Like if we're sitting down and yeah, how long I imagine you have to brevity is on, should be sort of a focus, right? Oh, for sure. You want to make sure you have three elements to your pitch, the hook, the twist, and the takeaway. So the hook is the why now, why is this interesting? You know, is it a holiday? Is it because something's in the news that has to do with this? And, and you, this is really what's going to be top of mind for producers, especially because yeah. they need to fill the time. So you need the hook. Then the twist is how is this different than everything else I've heard about this topic? Mm. And the takeaway is what does the audience literally take away that they will do tomorrow that will change their lives? So if you say, you know, stress is actually good for you, that's the twist. And then the takeaway here is, you know, how you can embrace stress in a different way or how the signs that you can garner from what's going on in your body throughout the day, that kind of thing. Um, So thinking through those things, like what will the audience actually get from your interview? And you really want, as far as authors go, you know, you really want to make sure that, yes, you're talking about things that you know about, but if you can talk about topics that are related to your book, but not in the book, you should still do it. And oftentimes authors will say, well, no, I don't want to talk about that topic because it's not in the book. Who cares? They're going to 
still identify you as the author of that book. I do it all the time. I'm doing a segment next week for a local TV station. I do about one a month and um, it's about moving and how to plan a more organized move because I just moved. And so of course I have lots of lists and I have lots of ideas and lots of things that I want to talk about. I've already written a blog about it. I've already produced my own live stream show about it. And then I pitched it to them and they said, oh, this is a great idea. Is it in my book? No, but it's a topic that is related to being organized and productive and making lists. And so they will identify me as the author of Listful Living, which is terrific. It's a great way to to come out there and be an expert, but it's not exactly in the book. So I think that's a disconnect for a lot of authors. They think, oh, I can only talk about the things in the book. I love that. And also what it makes me think of too is I think of when guests come on the show, I'm like, just give as much value as possible. Like, don't talk about the book. I'll cover the questions that I think are relevant for the audience, but like, just show up as your best self and just give as much as you can. Because if somebody has a positive experience with you and they are like, oh, I really like what that person said, they're going to go follow up and want to learn more. That's what I feel like is right. to fall in love with you as the author and say, yes. I don't care what the book is about. I'm just yeah. I just like this, what this person's saying or how they're saying it. Um, so storytelling as an element of that, I mean, do you, when you get on there, like, wh- how do you actually present the data? I mean, you said, do you, is like, how do you make yourself memorable once you, if you actually get on? Well, speaking in sound bites, it's something that every producer wants from their guest, someone who can speak clearly and succinctly and get to the point as quickly as Fast. possible. Yeah, And of course, it depends on the type of medium. So of course, we're here on a podcast and we have more time. Yes. The interview is going to be very short. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to speak in those short headlines if you can. So you have to think about it ahead of time. So this is what I work with clients on all the time is thinking through what are the questions that you'll probably be asked about your book? What is your book about? All of those types of things, right? Why did you write this book? Uh, what is the biggest takeaway? There's so many things that if you're not asked that exact question, you'll still have a good answer for it because you yes. want to practice. And the way that I teach it is called the accordion method. So it's having a short, a medium, and a long answer to any question that you're asked. So the short answer is really the headline, right? So like, why did you write a book about lists? Well, lists changed my life. Okay, so if I have more time, I'm able to open my accordion and add in some more information, right? I went from being overwhelmed and stressed out to being, you know, clear and being able to be more organized. Okay, so then what? And then I tell a story every night before I leave my desk. I'm able to write out my to-do list for the next day so that when I come in, I can just hit the ground running. So that's an example of doing a short, a medium, and a long, opening the accordion, depending on how much time you have. And also leaving there a little bit of space for back and forth with a host. If someone asks you a question, you want to give them enough, maybe not too much, so that they're interested and they want to ask a follow-up question. It just depends on the medium. Okay. So we actually, I'm thinking, we did actually talk about prepping for media in one of the interviews that we did, but let's talk specifically about authors. Mm -hmm. So how do they know how to find, let's say, Oprah magazine editor or whoever, let's say they have this dream or the Today Show, you know, they can have their dream list and then reach out to podcasts or, you know, or just a variety of people. But how do you find that? How do you find them? Like, I don't actually know how people are finding me to pitch me. Yeah. There must be some direct, I don't know. I should ask somebody what they say. Uh, every time they the show. Show. how do you hear about me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Well, you know, it is from from listening, watching, seeing where other authors are featured that are similar to you. So you want to sort of follow, you know, it's the same thing with speaking engagements. If you want to be a speaker, see where everybody else is speaking that that's, uh, you know, similar to you mm-hmm. and then start pitching those places. Um, but it's the same for media, you know, see where some of those authors are being featured. Uh, you do have to watch the shows and listen to them and see if it's something that would be a match. Yes. Uh, you know, I love LinkedIn. I always loved LinkedIn, even before I was a LinkedIn learning instructor uh, as a TV producer, but not all producers love LinkedIn. It's not like their first Ah. place. Oh, they're not. They think of it still, I think it's like, oh, that's that's your resume online. Oh, interesting. I like LinkedIn too. Yeah. Yeah. But I used to find guests all the time on LinkedIn. I found guests on LinkedIn too. Right? I'd like to see people and I'm like, oh, you're interesting. And I'll reach out to them directly. Yep. And what are they writing about and what are they doing? So that's why I always tell authors, make sure you're writing things, make sure you're putting your opinions on there, make sure people see what you're doing. I've gotten media that way from putting up articles that I wrote years ago. There was one that I had written. Oh my gosh. I think it was like in 2007 and somebody in the media saw it and said, could you come on our show and talk about it? And I was like, okay, it was about like, you know, I don't know, setting boundaries or saying no or something like that. And I was like, I mean, that's an evergreen topic. I can talk about it whenever, but it was blog post that I had written years so ago. So long ago. Okay. So create that body of work, but then how do you actually find the emails or of those people? You know, how yeah. do you find the contact information itself? It's a little easier now than it used to be because there's okay. usually an online element mm-hmm. where you see, you know, you can click on the person's name, their byline, and they'll say, you know, to pitch stories or whatever they might have their email address. They want to be found. That's the thing. They, they need do? Ideas. Yes, they need story ideas. They want people to pitch them. It's the same thing with, you know, uh, acquisition editors at publishing houses. They want to hear from uh, agents because they want new projects to work on. It's it's the only way the business keeps working is to continually get new. Okay. Even with thousands, it's not like, okay, they still, they, they want, they're looking for that new topic that'll catch their audience's attention or like somebody interesting to put in front of them. Okay. A little different. I mean, think about if you've read a women's magazine in the past, however, you know, month, it's the same magazine as the month before. It's just a little different. You know, it's like how to be how to beat belly fat. You know, those editors <laughs> the wall, like, how can we do this story again? Everyone loves it, but how can we do it differently? Okay. So new people to be able to pitch them. So yeah, you can, you can look online. The masthead is a really great place to look for magazines. What is that? The inside. masthead, is it a website or is it a, no, what is it? Inside the actual magazine. Oh, the masthead in the magazine. Okay. It has who's who, right? Yes. So who's the book editor, who is yes. the person? covers style, who covers this, who covers that. So you can find them there. Maybe you can find them on LinkedIn. Maybe you can find them, you know, on the the website for the magazine or whatever it is. Um, And then as far as TV and radio goes, I mean, you can call. I know no one likes to call anymore, but I always suggest that you call the newsroom and you say, who is the person who's the producer for XYZ show or who handles pitches for this? And you'll talk to somebody on the phone who'll say, oh, it's so-and-so and this is their email address. And if you don't get it, hang up call back in an hour, it'll be somebody else answering the phones and maybe they'll be in a better mood. You know, I mean, that's just really, you've got to sometimes work the phones for local news. Interesting. Cause I thought like a big show, like the Today Show or something like that, again, maybe they had their PR firms that they work with. I'm sure that they do. And they have their inside people who know just who to go to every time with their top authors. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the everyday person, they could literally call. 
Yeah, I mean, I would do that for local news, right? Okay. So a national show like today or GMA, you know, you're going to want to look to see who are the people maybe on their website who are doing this. Um, you know, there there could also be, I mean, yes, you can call. I don't know that you'll get an answer. Uh, it might be a little bit more difficult, but who are you asking for? What's the person? It's the person who does what? The bookings? Like, what do you ask for specifically? Yeah, you could ask for a booker. You could say, you know, who books authors? Who's the books? You know, the books person, basically. Yeah. Uh, but this is where relationships come, you know, into play. So if you're doing this before you even have a book, it's almost better because. When you think about it, that books person, whoever is booking all of the people who are authors who have books coming out, there's a very small window for you to get into that into that zone there. Yes, yes. Because they just want new books and it's just for this time frame. And you're probably up against tons of other authors who have huge publishers, who have really big, you know, pu- publicists who have set this up for months and months. Exactly. And months. Yes. However, if you've been pitching previous to this about your topic, they'll already know you. And so by the time you get to have a book, then you're able to say, hey, I have a book now. I already have a relationship with you. I already know you. Could you book me on this segment about XYZ thing? It's a little bit easier to do it that way than coming cold. And also doing local media is always the first step. So you want to start there before you bump yourself up higher and higher and higher for multiple reasons. One, you want to make sure that you're up for the task. That you get the get, practice. <laughs> yes, yes, you want to make sure you're not flubbing that you can actually do this. Uh, and and you want to be able to have that relationship because guess what? Those producers move on and they take their Rolodex of their favorite guests with them wherever they go. Oh. So you definitely want to stay in touch with people. You want to send thank you notes. You want to treat them like a person. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people just use you as a way to get on TV and then move on. Never, you know, they only you only hear from them when they want something. Right. How important is the ray line and the subject, you know, the subject of your email? Oh, subject line is so important because yeah. there's so many emails. Exactly. So how do you set yourself apart in the subject? I mean, I would never write, uh, you know, um, are you interested in this expert available? Oh my gosh. Everybody writes that. It's like the worst. So exactly. you really need to be thinking in a headline form. How can you grab attention? How can you mm. grab someone's attention really, really fast, like a, you know, magazine or newspaper article, rather than be able to, uh, you know, know that you're going to follow up. That's the other thing. I, I wish I knew the stats on this, but in the time that I was a producer, the follow-up was almost more important than the actual initial pitch. Okay. Because I would see it and you know, I'm very organized. So I would see it. Maybe I'd write it down on a list somewhere. I do something and something's happening. I'm doing something else. I'm out on a shoot, you know, off I go. I forget about that idea. And then hopefully that person would come back to me and repitch and follow up and say, Hey, you know, and, and basically not just say, Hey, are you interested in this? But repitch the idea. Don't make me do work as the producer to have to go back down and say, who is this? Let me read this again. Repitch the idea. And so often I'd say, I'm so glad you reached back out. I saw this, it, I really liked it, and then I got distracted. So this is perfect. So just know that you will have to follow up. And it's a good thing. You want that because you yeah. want to be able to start a conversation. Yes. What's what's borderline obnoxious versus like a, a good amount of follow-ups? Like you don't hear do you because if you've got a thousand emails, you're you're not responding to everyone. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. No way. 
No, it would take that would be a full time job just responding. So, like, was an article once about three times. Yeah, I'm just curious. What's the etiquette? What's the etiquette here? There was a producer, I think, once who actually did this as a as a um, experiment and wrote about it. I have to look to find the article, or maybe it was a magazine editor or something that she tried to respond to every single person who had written to her because. And it just was like so full time job. Yeah. No, that's part of the thing. I mean, just sometimes, yeah, when we get so um, many pitches, it was like taking up all the time just trying to respond within the 24 hours. It's like, oh gosh. So it's gosh. like, think, yeah, no. I know. So uh, the, I would say the etiquette, you know, is twice. You're going to follow up maybe twice and then you'll leave it there. So initial um, pitch with two follow ups, just to be clear. Yeah, I would say you could do two follow-ups. Or um, is it the initial initial pitch and a follow-up and then leave it there? Yeah, I think it, it initial pitch and a follow-up. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would do sometimes that I think is is a good sneaky thing is that Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now, um, that's where journalists, they, they love Twitter? It. Yes. So they're always they still looking- still do. Yes. So okay. they're still always looking for, because it's the most frequent and- uh, newest information. Yeah. So to see who, you know, what's going on right now in this moment is exactly. Mm. So you should follow as many journalists as you can. And then if you're pitching them, see what they're tweeting about. Right. So smart. You can like their tweet. People used to do this to me sometimes and it was super smart. Publicists would do it. They would like my tweet and I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's so-and-so that's right. She pitched me. Oh, I think I kind of like that idea. Let me go back in my inbox and see that that person. It would just like rejog my memory. It doesn't always work, but you know, it's something that again, you're looking at this this person holistically as a as a person, not just an email address. Uh, you know, and and show some interest in what what the producer does. You know, I had many people who would buy my books and talk to me about lists and things like that. You know, it was very very nice. It, it was some of those first. Um, first few uh, segments that I did after my book came out, people came with the book. Like I just was stunned. We weren't even talking about my stuff. You know, we were talking about health news at the time. I was a health producer. That's nice. And it was like that. That's a relationship. That's genuine relationship building. That's so much more beyond. Okay. So what are some of the mistakes that you see that authors make? So the mistakes that authors make, one is what we talked about, not uh, being open to talk about anything. They'll say, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. They say no, and then they're never called on again. So you never want to say no, because if you say no, a producer has moved on. Okay. And so they will often not rebook you. Okay. Um, and so it breaks my heart when I hear that authors have said, no, I, I didn't feel ready. I didn't want to do it. Or I wasn't, you know, re- that's why you do the work now. You start doing it ahead of time so that when the media does call, you are ready because they might find you. Yeah. Right? They're looking also on Amazon. They're looking at all of the places books are. They're, you know, they're looking at other media. Media begets media. They see you interviewed in a podcast. True. Well, True. That's a good idea, you know, and they might jump on it that way. So Definitely saying no is always, I think, a problem. Uh, Overselling the book and being too salesy. This is something the media is very allergic to. And so when I work with clients, we're always very, um, you know, we tiptoe around how much is too much. How much should you mention versus how much should you not mention? What feels authentic? What is too sus? And a lot of times, you know, your your publisher, they want you to say the book. They want you to mention it. Uh, which I understand, but you do need to walk that fine line because you want to get asked back, hopefully as a guest. 
And if they think, oh, she was so all she did was push that book the whole time. It was so obnoxious. They're never going to have you back. Totally. And that's what I was saying, even on the podcast, it's like, thankfully, nobody's done that. But you know, sometimes they'll be like, I really want to talk about the book, or I really want to talk about the service offering. It's like, let's talk about the value you can give to the audience. And that's going to happen organically. Like, don't, don't push that. Um, so I'm curious too, um, you've mentioned social media and obviously, and now we've got, uh, threads too, like there's all these different platforms. So how do we leverage social media? Because everybody's on something already. Mm -hmm. How do they use that as a tool? Well, I think you just need to pick the one that you like. A lot of times people will say, I just did a talk uh, for the Writer's Digest conference. And one of the questions was, "Uh, what about uh, TikTok? Do I have to do TikTok? And I asked the woman, do you want to do TikTok? And she said, no, I don't want to do it. I said, so then don't do it. your answer, yeah. Yeah, you're never going to show up in the way that you need to for these platforms if you don't want to do it. If you're there just because you think you should. Look, I think you should do some form of social media. Maybe pick one that you really like, that you actually enjoy. And then just put your whole heart into that. Maybe you can repurpose some of your other content elsewhere. But you don't want it to look like, oh, I'm just putting all this stuff everywhere. It does really need to be catered to each different platform. Yes. About where your audience is and what you like best. Yeah. But you're adding value all the time for your audience, right? Like, are you just, you encourage your clients to craft messaging that just is constantly giving them value, I imagine, right? Even beyond just the pitching and stuff, this is creating a portfolio of your work, if you will. Yes, exactly. I mean, I've been doing this for years that I'll just see something and I'll think, oh, that's a good idea. I should write something about that. Or, oh, I just started using this new pen or whatever it is. I'm going to tell people about it. And a lot of times people think, oh, everybody knows that. They don't. They don't look at the world through the lens of your of your eyes, right? They really don't. And so if you think, oh, but that's been done already. I mean, I didn't invent lists. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just talk about them in a different way than everyone else. It's so true. It's so true. I know you wrote a whole book about it. You could have been like, gosh, this has been talked about so much. Everyone uses lists. Why am I going to write a book? But you didn't. And then it became a bestseller and you've been talking about it for so many years on like countless podcasts and on the media. And um, when you are, um, I'm just going to go back to the emails because I was thinking we're keeping it brief. And you, But you also talked about like, let them know you've done stuff. Do you put links in there? Do, is it just a link to your website? Like you don't want to be like, oh, here's the 10 interviews I've just done. So, so how do you how do you tactfully promote without, you know, wasting their time or making them feel like you're making them do work because nobody yes. on this, the, the pitch, the being pitched doesn't want to, they, like you said, they don't want to do extra work. They don't have time. No, make for it. it super easy. Yeah. So you want to just link to the one that is the most maybe relevant or recent, uh, you know, the, the best one, the best. Exactly. Yeah. And then make sure it's exactly what you want them to look at. Uh, a lot of times people will say, oh, here's a link to my website and there's a whole bunch of links on there. Nope. The producer is not going to go through your website and go searching for what you want them to find. Link to the exact piece of media you want them to look at. And if it's something that's like, oh, well, I did this panel and I, you know, don't send the whole YouTube video with a link. Say it starts at 45 seconds in. That's when I start talking so that they know exactly where to go to. Instead of giving them homework to do, you want to make exactly. it possible. Yes. And those are the pitches I have to say that I get that turn me the off the most. It's like, well, 
I don't have time to dig in and, you know what I mean, discover everything about you right now. Like, tell me why it's valuable and right. Give me that one, that one thing that will help me understand if it's a fit for the show. And that's the thing. It's not personal. I always look at it through the lens of, is this a fit for my audience? I've been doing this almost five years. It's Mm -hmm. an intimate format. I've developed a relationship. I know what I want to cover. I know where we're going. And if there's not synergy there, then it's not personal. And people need to know that, right? Like, don't get discouraged. So how do you manage that though? Like, let's say you've done a bunch of pitches and you just keep getting rejected. How do you stay encouraged? Or how do you, does that mean it's time to tweak your pitch? Probably. You will get rejected. It will happen. You will hear nothing that will happen. Uh, You know, the the best case scenario is to get just a response back, not even to get booked, but just to get a response back to see that somebody was sort of interested in what you were talking about. Okay, so this got got the ball rolling. So that's what you really want. I think you need to lower expectations a little bit, at least initially. Uh, You do need to repitch. Sometimes that's the problem. People say, oh, I sent a pitch and I didn't hear back. Did you follow up? Probably not. And I just recently that's did That's true. I'll get a one-off pitch and then that's yeah, it. You never hear back. And then and- I do appreciate the ones that do follow up. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, we've been meaning to get back to them even just to say, no, thank you. It's usually yes. no, thank you. We're not, we don't, we just don't take outside pictures. It's just too many now. So it's- It's finalized. It's like, it is what it is. They yeah, know- it's not personal at all. And oh. we appreciate you. Yeah. But people always appreciate when they get that email. Definitely. I mean, it's so unusual. So it's very nice of you to do that because it's not something that I just think of how I would feel, but I'm sorry. So finish what you were saying there. Um, So yeah, so to repitch because often they have not um, probably done that right to follow up. And then also I would say, yeah, looking at the pitch itself and saying, is this something that actually serves the audience or does this serve you, the author? Is this about you and your book and your journey as an author? No one cares. People only care about how does this work for them? What right. are the tactics that are in the book, let's say, that helped you, I don't know, whatever whatever thing that your book is about, um, you know, live a better life, get sober, make a quilt, I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, what were those things that then will help the audience? Because so often a lot of these pitches are just commercials. You know, they're just very yeah. much advertising for you would just want people to buy the book. And and this is a mistake a lot of people make too. They think, oh, I only want to do media to, to sell books. I get it. You do want to sell books, but that is not the reason you do this. You do this to be of service. You do this to give people information whether or not they buy the book. 100%. Right. You want them to walk away and say, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. I'm going to start drinking matcha green tea from now on because this has more antioxidants than regular green tea. That's awesome. Yeah. Let me just ask quickly before we wrap up, nonfiction versus fiction authors, the pitch I imagine has to be, you know, nonfiction, you've got expertise in some subject, fiction, you're taking them on some magical journey of, you know, your characters. It can be more difficult to pitch fiction, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Media contained fiction and nonfiction and poets as well. Right. Uh, or memoir. Memoir. Yes. It's all a very different game. Nonfiction yes. is obviously, I think, easier because there's so many topics you can talk about um, within your expertise. But think about the same thing for fiction. There are things that you know as a fiction author that other people don't know. How to finish a book, how to, you know, come up with these exciting storylines, how to be creative, how to get over writer's block. Like there are a lot of non love that that you could pitch and be identified as the author of whatever your book is, your novel. And to think about also the long game of this. 
Oftentimes people think, oh, you know, I'll just do media when the book comes out for the launch and then that's it. I've been talking about the same book for almost a decade, right? <laughs> I mean, I have two of them now, so there is like a new one. There's a new spin, but the same type of lists, right? It's productivity. It's being organized. I still talk about that first book. So it's not just like, oh, I'm only going to talk about it when the book comes out and then that's the end of it. This has a very long life. So there's a lot of different things that you can talk about that you can do um, beyond just, oh, the book is out and it's new. Okay. I've loved this. Anything I didn't ask that you want to say, okay, I want to make sure Michelle's audience understands about this topic. I just think people need to start and do it. And that's the biggest problem, I think, for for authors and for many of the people that I work with. I understand, you know, you're an author, you're used to writing, you're not used to speaking. It might not be the first thing that you want to do, but if you want people to know about your book, you need to get out there. You need to do it in the most authentic way for you. Not everybody is going to say, oh, I want to be on, you know, what the Today Show or the big shows or whatever it is. And that's fine. You know, maybe you just do some videos about your book or about your craft or about whatever it is that gets an audience in a different way. It's it's not the same route for everyone. Absolutely. And like we talked about, there's different avenues for getting your voice out there and getting noticed. There's the print, there's the podcast, there's the traditional media. And, you know, there's even like IG lives now. And, you know, I'm doing that with an author I just interviewed. We're doing an IG live before her launch. Perfect. Like come back on. Yeah, it just just as in that added layer of more publicity for her. And so there's so many different things to think about being creative. Um, I like to ask my guests what living a good life means to them, since this is the Good Life podcast. Um, what does a, living a good life mean to you, Paula? For me, it's learning new things. I'm very curious. I think that's why I probably went into journalism, but I'm very curious. So anything that I can learn that's new, that is, that's the good life for me. I love it. Well, it's always so fun to be with you. You always bring so much value and I appreciate that. That is why you've been on four times. You're like a perfect example of what we're talking about today. Like just bring the value, show up and serve. And that's so, so great. So everyone share this with a friend. If you're not an author or thinking about one, send it to everyone you know who's like in the process or thinking about writing a book, fiction, nonfiction, memoir, poet, poets, whatever. You just send it along. And all of the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com with actually a link to Paula's freebie, which I will be listing prominently. Tell us the name of your freebie. Sure. The freebie is 10 media questions every author needs to answer. And it has been developed from working one-on-one with authors for for years to be able to get them ready for not only their book launch, but even before that, when you're pitching your book to publishers, when you're having interviews with agents, you want to be able to talk about what your book is about in a way that's really concise and clear so that you grab attention right away. And, you know, that also feeds into my course, Media Ready Author, which is very helpful for anyone who's looking to get their book out in the world. And again, this comes from me working with all kinds of authors and publishers through the years and putting this content together to help authors get out there because it, it's it's important. No one will know about your book unless you tell them. And also not everyone can afford a, publish, a, a publicist or PR exactly. firm. So this makes it a cost-effective way to get the information you need and to do it for yourself, which I think is amazing. And that launches in October. So when this comes out, it'll be out in the world. And I'll have the link for that as well over at thegoodlifecoach.com for you to 
to check out. Thank you so much, Paula. I always love connecting with you. It's so much fun. And um, I'm sure you'll be back. I know. I'll be thinking of new ideas. Yes, yes, for sure. Thanks so much for today. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.